Today we continue our series in Matthew chapter 5, so if you would, please turn to Matthew chapter 5. We'll focus on verse 5 today, which says, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. I realize that the gentle doesn't necessarily, it's not something that comes naturally. When I see my son play, he, he can be rough. Rough with other people, yes, but even just rough on himself, just the way he falls. and It's like everything is so dramatic. At least, maybe it's me, it's personal. Maybe it's personal. You see, you hear the thud, it's like, like who is that? And you look, and he's just like smiling. It's like, okay. But even when he handles uh, me or when he's hungry, he makes it known. It's not very gentle, and I realize that even for me, as a father, I have to make sure that I train him to be gentle and, and ask him to be gentle, show him what it looks like to be gentle. So it's just not something that just comes naturally. And I realize that's not just for babies. There's a lot of times gentleness is, is not only something found in the Bible for adults, but it's there because we often find ourselves in need of a reminder. It's not something that comes natural to us, but it's important for us to exhibit. It's a characteristic that even Galatians 5, 22 to 23 references as that virtue of the fruit of the spirit, gentleness, among other virtues. Something we are called to. I'm hoping that today we will make some good connections between the blessings that come with the gentleness in our own lives. Hopefully we would identify as the gentle. I mean, that's part of the point of the passage is for Jesus to talk about the gentle in a way that this that's good. Even so, it's not that the gentle are better off than other people, it's that they're well off. It's that they're in a good place when they're gentle. The passage. It's, it's surrounded in, in a context where the gentle is identified, but also people who mourn, the poor in spirit, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, the persecuted, for the sake of Christ. The individuals, hopefully, are people we can relate to because they identify us. Say hopefully, because it may not be everyone here. As a matter of fact, we were those babies some time ago. Not so gentle. But I, I don't want you to just think that we're talking about a gentleness of in physicality, but there's a spiritual component here. I'm hoping that as we look through the scriptures, 
we'll be able to connect with the gentle because we want to become more like this. There is a blessing attached to it, and I want you to get that, but I want you to embrace the goodness of being gentle. It is for us. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount for a reason. Let me remind you, in chapter 4, he was approached some very interesting ways with temptation. He began the process of picking out his disciples. And even so, we see that there is a, a the beginning of, it, of his ministry where he was preaching in different places. This is another place where he preaches a message to a people, well, really crowds of people, because remember, there were crowds from different places that came. And so you have a collection of crowds that are here listening to Jesus speak. This is the message that Jesus preaches. Of course, you see so many people together gathering, listening to a word you hope is good. Gentle. Today we'll look at the sermon, at a piece of the sermon that Jesus preached. And this is just the beginning. Beatitudes is like the introduction if you will, to the rest. This is, this is Matthew chapter 5, and we're looking at one verse, and it goes all the way to the end of chapter 7. <laughs> we'll look at the sermon, and hopefully we'll recognize two realities that come with it. The first, gentle necessities. The second, world acquisition. Let's look at the first. Gentle necessities. We see blessed are the gentle. It's a blessing here. We could spend a lot of time talking about the blessed here. It's another way of describing these individuals. But even so, it's the, it's the, the benefit that comes with being gentle. There is a benefit. It's not only here found in verse 5. It's found in some of these other verses too. And so you must wonder, like, how important is it that these people are blessed? Well, did you see the description? Look, people mourn, the gentle, hungry and thirsty for righteousness. These might sound like the downcast or the outcast. It may not be that appealing, but sometimes people will invest in a venture because of the blessings or the benefits that come out of it. In this case, there is a character development that we see, the gentle. And this blessing is associated with those individuals, the blessing individuals. They're well off. Of course, you can think of it as the people who are happy, but what happy person is also mourning? It's a little bit more than that. That's why I say it's well off. These people are well off. It's not that their present circumstances are so good as if they are retired or uh, there's, there's something that's going on these days called fire where people are trying to retire early. 
not that this person is retired early and having living the best life that they ever have lived as the, the person who's persecuted. It's that their circumstances come with a blessing. But even so, it looks to me that there's something bigger than just the circumstances that are blessed. The blessing comes with some, even some eternal rewards. It's as if there is something, not only that we can have hope in now, but there's something to acquire down the line. It would be sad if the blessing was something that was in the past, and so now these people who are persecuted are looking to the past and say, man, I used to be blessed. Oh, thank the Lord. That's not it. There's something about the future that is blessed for them. Even so, the present, there's something about having a relationship with Christ now that comes with a blessing. I don't want you to forget that. Uh, Jesus is here obviously talking to these individuals, and he has already demonstrated a a power, uh, something about him that nobody else has demonstrated, an ability to do things like heal. He, He even is found casting out demons. Forgiving sins. Such a blessing to be around Jesus, to have him in our lives. I don't want you to miss the blessing because as we talk about the gentle, you might try to downplay the significance of being gentle. Notice it says the gentle. The gentle then is an adjective. Let me take you back to school real quick. I am a teacher. The, the, the adjective is a word that describes a noun. So a noun being a person, place, thing, idea. This gentle as an adjective then is describing these individuals. And I want you to see this and, and understand what gentle means then. This gentle can come with this idea that some people have as being weak, and I I, want to make sure that we understand this a little bit differently. The word itself really actually implies that this person does have strength. I want you to understand this. The definition of the word comes with this, this reality that this person actually has strong, but they withhold it. So when I look at my son, and I say, hey, be gentle with your mom, it's not that he has to take off his strength or it's, it's or somehow now try to be as weak as possible and remove his strength somehow. It's in your strength exercise an important level of humility. But all the strength you have, calm down. Uh, <laughs> calm down is, is definitely a phrase I, I, I use and we probably should too. See, gentle is not weak. Uh, Samson, when his hair was cut off, was not gentle because he no longer had his abilities. So I don't want you to think that gentle somehow means automatically unable or incapable. Gentle people are very capable 
of demonstrating a lot of power, might, and strength, just that they choose to forgo the demonstration of it. This is how we define gentleness for the gentle. The gentle, and I want to look at some characteristics of the gentle. The gentle are actually chosen of God. They're holy and beloved by him, according to Colossians 3, verse 12. The gentle use their gentleness to set aside all wickedness. That's James 1, verse 21. And even the gentle walk in a matter worthy of the calling with which they've been called. Ephesians 4, verse 2. These are things that the gentle do. What's interesting, though, is by implication, they're humble. Now, because sometimes gentleness gets wrapped up with a sense of being weak, it seems kind of interesting to me that we may actually think of somebody being humble when we think of being gentle. And that actually is accurate. When you're gentle, the implication is you actually can come off low. I mean, Philippians, it has an indication where you are considering, considering the, uh, not only your own interests, but also the interests of others. You're not just looking out for yourself. Right. Humility has an interesting relationship with gentleness, and, and I wonder to get some of that. When we when I reference Colossians, the people who are chosen by God, holy and beloved, according to Colossians 3.12, they were labeled as gentle and humble. So it's the gentle and humble who are chosen by God, holy and beloved. When you look at the noun form of the gentle, gentleness, there are the doors open up when you see the connection between the gentle and the humble. You see, Matthew 11, actually I want you to turn there. Matthew 11, go to Matthew 11 for me. I want you to see this. I, I just, I want you to see some connections real quick. Matthew chapter 11, let's look at verse 28. You may recognize this passage, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. I'm going to look at those. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Look at 30 real quick. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is Jesus saying this. As a matter of fact, if you read the book that's in the back of the sanctuary, did you know the book that we were advertising that you got a copy of, you read it already from, you know, <laughs> uh, the author, he, he mentions that this is one of the few times where Jesus talks about his own heart. And in this occasion, look at how Jesus describes his heart. It says, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart. Yes, gentle and humble together. The idea of humble implies that they are not seeing themselves too highly than they ought to. It has a connotation of seeing yourself as lowly. But I do want you to understand, Jesus, was he not king of kings, lord of lords? He was, right? So humility then is not saying, I'm just going to forsake all that I really am. It is a matter of perception, though. Self-perception. I don't need to think of myself as better than. It reminds me of the CEO who actually treats the secretary as if they're valuable. CEO doesn't forfeit, relinquish responsibilities to the secretary, but there's a certain appreciation and value that's assigned and honor that's assigned even to the secretary by someone who has the position. Humility does the same. So when you see gentle and humble together, Jesus talking about his own heart, this is the characteristic of Jesus himself. I could ask the question, do you want to be like Jesus? And hopefully you'll say yes. But I want you to see this describes Jesus. And this isn't the only place. First Peter, first Peter, first Peter three. We can turn there. First Peter three, first Peter three. I want you to see another place where this additive is found. First Peter three. Peter's talking to a group of persecuted Christians. And it always fascinated me that he would do that because think about it. If, if, if people came and started persecuting the church and we had to like leave this place because there were like threats on our lives, why would he talk about marriage if it's like a doomsday situation? It seems as if the Bible still cares about how we live and interact with one another in, in regular relationships. So when we see in 1 Peter 3, when we look at verses 3 and 4, it's interesting how he just kind of puts that in there and mentions this in, to a bunch of persecuted, scattered Christians. Verse 3. 1 Peter 3, verse 3. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. I'm not going to try to lecture women. That's not the point for this. I want you to see the word gentle in there. You see how Peter describes gentle? He describes gentle as an imperishable quality alongside of the person who has a quiet spirit. This idea of being gentle then, because it's imperishable, it doesn't perish. It doesn't die off. It is almost, it's, it's like, it's undefeated in some ways. It's, it's gonna, it's, it's consistent, it's gonna stand there, it's gonna, it's gonna survive. 
it's going to be well off. Survive. Survival. Uh, safety. Security. Some words you maybe relate to. The gentleness is something that you can hold on to and be like, I- I'm, I'm good here. And because of the context, then it's the, the point then is not that you adorn yourself with external things and think that you're all good. But the character of your heart, a gentle and quiet spirit, ooh, that's, hopefully that's attractive to women and men. There's some power there. Remember that. Try, I, I feel like I got to redeem the, the word gentle here. Uh, there's a strength that's, that's there. But it's, there's a strength that's there that's demonstrated in being able to withhold and, and be able to just calm down. There's, there's something valuable here. No wonder why it's an, an imperishable quality. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 21 and we'll look at another place where this additive is found. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to look at verse 5. Basically, the idea is that Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament. I want you to read what Matthew chapter 21 verse 5 says. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounting on a donkey, even a colt, even on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. Jesus had done this. This is, people refer to this as the triumphal entry of Christ. He comes back to Jerusalem. He's going to do ministry. This is, this is the, the, it's almost like he enters, he, he came to die. You know that the part of the song? He, he has come to Jerusalem and he's on a donkey. Which is cool. He's, it's a fulfillment of Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine. The king comes on a donkey as if there's been peace. It's peace in the land. And he's not on a horse, like he's coming to, to smash and, and destroy and conquer. It's already done. It's like peace. Comes in Jerusalem is on a donkey. Gentle. To be persecuted, suffer, and die. Come on. For you? What peace did he have? <laughs> gentle. This is gentle. And this is the, it's the gentle who get the blessing. It's the gentle. My mom, she told me one time, I remember, it was, it was more than once. Uh, she was trying to train me like I'm trying to train my, my son, telling me that you don't know your own strength. And sometimes as a kid, a boy, you got to be told that. You got you to be reminded, like, you're too strong to just be pushing somebody, you know, like, or just to put your hands on somebody. That's, you can't do that. 
I, I saw a guy one time, he was trying to plug in a, a something, a, a HDMI cable into a laptop, and he, he just like, he jammed in. I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's not how you treat hardware. That's, it, it's, it's designed to just kind of fit in with the, you know, the, Stuff that is, it sticks out is supposed to like go in into the slot, and there's a there's a male and female connection, and it's supposed to go in nicely, and it's like oh okay, just guide it in, just softly and gently, just it's all well now. And remind me like sometimes we don't know our own strength, and I hope that we would embrace the strength that we do have, even the freedoms that we have to not demonstrate the strength we do have as well. Uh, there's so many contexts you can apply this to, whether it be the multiple references to how you don't want a wife that is contentious with you in the house, or even just uh, the the fact that you as a, a as a husband or a man should not be dominating over other people. There there are so many ways for us in contexts in which we should be gentle. And if anything, I want you to just remember the fact that Jesus is gentle in heart. Gentle and humble and hard, and that's how we could be instead. There's a lot of value to that. It makes me think of how gentleness could be one of those key characteristics of the so-called introvert CEO, because there are plenty of them, actually, ones who don't, or not outspoken, uh, but gentle, but they can effectively get the job done. It might be a, a wonderful tool at your disposal that Jesus has called you to have and you can just simply use wherever you go. And it's, it's an imperishable quality for you, for your benefit, for your blessing. The people heard this message in front of Jesus. Hopefully we'll hear this too. The gentle is necessary. We need to identify with the gentle. There's a blessing with the gentle, for the gentle. But what is it? See, blessed are the gentle, and we looked at the gentle necessities, but I want to see the world acquisitions. This is a weird part that you see the, the juxtaposition between gentleness and, and what seems what, like world domination almost. Let's look at this. You, you already know that the passage, go to back to Matthew chapter 5, if you will. The passage is referencing the fact that blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. What a time. What a time to be gentle then. Hmm. The blessing comes with inheriting the earth. These gentle individuals then are going to inherit a word that sometimes, in some cases, refers to like a piece of land. Uh, numbers, for example, it, it, it refers to how like they're supposed, like the, the tribes are supposed to inherit their piece of the land. Inherit. Uh, sometimes it refers to like inheriting riches. 
This is probably one for some of you. Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew. Proverbs 13, 22. This is one you might want to consider. Let me just read it to you. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Let me read the second part. And the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance. Interesting quality for that man, described as good for leaving the inheritance, not to his children, but to his children's children. Fascinating to see the quality and the, the good quality associated and attributed to the man for doing so. It's as if the legacy then is important for this biblical writer. Here, we not only see that there's a good man involved, but there's a sinner too. Whatever the sinner has stored up, that wealth, it's going to be given to the righteous anyway. That's an interesting reality. So inheritance could be some type of land sometimes in, the, in a certain context. It could just be wealth in general. And even so, I, I, I think the New Testament does an interesting job of utilizing this idea of inheritance for spiritual context as well. So you see, for example, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. I want to read that to you. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, it says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms, for my name's sake, this is Jesus talking, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Eternal life is something to inherit. Now, in our context, when you think of inheritance, we think of the land, the wealth. In some cases, we are intentionally trying to obtain real estate, stock, uh, or simply assets, hopefully not liabilities. <laughs> you're not trying to pass on liabilities, hopefully. I mean, maybe you are, but that's another conversation. Uh, you're trying to pass, it, pass some type of life asset down to your children or your children's children or whatever legacy you have. And this inheritance is not something that you can pass down. Have you ever tried to pass down eternal life? I mean, maybe you have because you preach the gospel, the good news. You say, I'm going to teach this to my children's children through my children. Great. That is what you should do. I think it's a good idea. Preach to your own kids the gospel. I mean, the gospel is good to change people's lives, but also to change people, not just circumstances. It's, it's good to change who you are. It can impact your heart, your soul. Like it, can, it can make you a different person. You can inherit eternal life. There's actually this, this rich young ruler who was trying to ask Jesus about inheriting eternal life. Uh, Mark, um, he talks about it like this. He says, there's a rich young ruler, and as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him, the rich young ruler, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life. I mean, Jesus' response was interesting because it's like, 
why you call me good? Because nobody's good but God. And then I just imagined just a smile, like, like you know I'm God, right? Funny God, funny man, that's me. <laughs> I mean, the rich and ruler had an issue. The rich and ruler is not the only person who asks about eternal life. There's a lawyer as well in Luke. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? There was a, there was a lawyer that was involved uh, in a separate occasion asking him a similar question. Now, in both cases, Jesus went on to actually describe what to do. To the lawyer, this is what he said. You want to you want to go there with me? Go to Luke ten. Go to Luke ten. There's Matthew, Mark, then Luke. Or Matthew. Go to Mark and then Luke. After there, go to Luke chapter ten. I want you to see this. Luke chapter ten. Verse twenty five is where you see the test happen with his lawyer. Asking the question. See, eternal, eternal life is something that people want. The problem is people also don't want the God of eternal life there in heaven, for example. People don't, people are trying to get the benefits without the benefit. The, 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 the person who actually is giving you the benefits, the individual, the, the, the being. Look at this. Look at verse 25. That's where the lawyer stood up and that's where he puts Jesus to the test, asking him the question. You see that, right? Now, verse 26, and said, and he said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? The law is going to be the answer. Is it? Let's keep reading. This is going to be, oh. And, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your might and your neighbor as yourself. So, The Old Testament has the answers. He's referencing the Old Testament. Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Love is the answer. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's keep reading. Verse 28. Luke 10, verse 28. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Okay. Do this and you will live. Of course, there's another piece to this because the lawyer wanted to justify himself, but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus gives the example of what we call the good Samaritan. Now, we're not going to be able to read the whole account. You probably can go home and read it if you haven't read this before, but look at verse 37. <clears throat> or verse 36, there were, there were a few people who came across this guy who was beat up, and one of them, the Samaritan, took care of the beat up person. Verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. I like this. 
but there's something to clarify here. One, remember, we're talking about the inheritance, the inherit eternal life, and so the, I want you to see this. Love becomes the answer. The thing is, love is a fulfillment of the commandments, the law. The law, though, cannot save you. There's a problem there. How is love the fulfillment of the commands and is going to be the way we know that we can get eternal life? Love, love then, is the way that God is going to judge us. It's this, it's, did you love? I think the problem ends up being believing that we have loved when we haven't. Not only that, it's understanding properly that love is being the fulfillment of the commandments, then, therefore, it's not the way that we are saved in that we do not become saved because we loved, but love is something that we do as outpouring of the salvation that God has given us and the fact that he has changed us, he has made us into a new creature, we are redeemed, we are, we are given the Holy Spirit, because we still have to make sure that we put our faith in Jesus. And therefore, when we come and understand context that put faith and works together, because love is a great work to be done, we must understand that even as, as we see in James chapter 2, the need to, 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 to have works Come alongside our faith because faith without our works is not only dead, it's useless. Our work should be the outpouring in the, in the result of the faith that we even say that we have in Christ. And so, love is something that we are supposed to do, called to. But if any of you fall at one point in the law, you are guilty of the entire law. So, you may have loved one time or thought you did. And at the same time, you have failed because at some point you failed to uphold the law. So you deserve the same condemnation under the law that everybody else does. So when you consider the love that you think you have shown, first ask yourself a question. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Because at some point, you don't want Jesus or God to, to on Judgment Day see the sin that you have committed without Jesus paying for it, that's it. Because whatever love you think you've done, you really want it to stand out. You want it to be just pure. You want it to be for God. Because remember, apart from faith, you cannot please God. Hebrews eleven six. If you're in the flesh still and not in the spirit, Romans 8, 8 says you can't please God. So your works don't really mean that much to him including your so-called love. The filthy rags works that we offer Jesus, not good enough. So when we see the words of Jesus here, the, the love, are you trying to justify yourself? Be merciful. These are things that Jesus is able to do perfectly. Perfectly. And I think it, it would be way more sensical if Jesus said, be perfect in loving, always. Always just be, be perfect in, in your application of mercy. If Jesus said, use perfect, I feel like we would like, like oh man, I, I'm not perfect. 
okay, oh, well, I guess I do need Jesus. Can't, I guess I can't get by with just loving my wife. Come on. You should be able to love your wife. You should be able to love your kids. Like, they're heathens who can do that. What about, what about, what about God? What about, what about Jesus? I want you to understand that the, because love is a fulfillment of the commandments and the commandments is something that you are condemned of, they're not, not saved under, you should be working as a result of the faith that you put your, put in Christ and Christ has, should have already changed you to want to work, to want to love. You want to do some loving for him, for him. And love, remember, is not some mere romantic thing. It has to do with a dedication, a commitment to the best. I want, I want the best for you. Sometimes I need to love myself, and I need, to, I need the best for me. I need to consider just the things that are actually good for me rather than the sin that I may want or my flesh may want. I need to love. I need to care. Inheriting eternal life. But if you look at Matthew 5, go to Matthew 5. It would have been easier if, if Jesus said, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit eternal life. That's not what he says. He says, inherit the earth. Okay. Uh, there aren't really too many references that talk about inheriting the earth. Uh I mean, like I said, land, pieces of land, uh, inheriting the earth is, seems kind of out there. How, how do the gentle even do that? If you, you're supposed to hold off, you're supposed to be calm down, like be gentle. How do you inherit the earth? At some point you realize then the gentle do not go out and, and, and masquerade or, or try to conquer the, the earth because they, they're gentle. And then they're inheriting it. So inheritance is not something that you go and you take from yourself and because there's no need, there's no inheritance involved then. So the gentle do not go and get, go grab the earth According to this context, it's an inheritance, something that's given, which means then hopefully we see the inheritance then is not something that is our doing. We didn't even earn it. And it has something to do with the earth being passed down to us. As if we are co-heirs with Christ. When we when we look at inheritance, we gotta we gotta look at some other context. Inheritance and eternal life is not the only thing that the New Testament talks about when it comes to inheritance. Inheritance. Let me show you. Go to Matthew chapter twenty-five. Matthew chapter twenty-five.
Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read verse 34. This context of this, this coming judgment. And there's going to be some sheep separated from the goats. Verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There was a plan established before God settled the earth for there to be an inheritance of the kingdom. Ah, it makes sense. So, okay, the, it references the king. So there's a kingdom to be inherited. The king has the ability to pass down the inheritance of the kingdom. The kingdom then would not only involve the subjects, but hmm, the land. If the king is the king of the entire earth, then it makes sense that you could pass that down as the king. But it's the gentle inherited, according to Matthew chapter 5. Hmm. Is this the only time where you see the inheritance of the kingdom? No. 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. I want you to see who doesn't inherit the kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and there's some people who uh, he's, he's, he's discouraging them from just bringing lawsuits to one another to, to and, and going before unrighteous unholy, unsanctified judges, if you will. And he's, he's trying, he's like, you don't got anybody who's wise enough among you? You're going to unrighteous judges to handle your disputes? That's for another sermon. Uh, verse 9, let's look at verse 9. Oh, there's some people who are wronged, etc. Um, you don't want to be, or should I say, he's like, don't you want you should rather be wronged and defrauded than just to take that route. And then verse 9, or, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Somehow this has to do with the unrighteous. And they don't inherit the kingdom. Okay, so the gentle get to inherit the earth. We're going to make the connection in a bit. The unrighteous, they don't get the kingdom. They don't inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Dang. I see the pause there. Uh, nor idolaters. I'm, I'm pausing because I think we thought racism was the only sin in the Bible. Um, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, 
nor the covetous, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. Keyword were. That's like the, one of the pivotal pieces right there were, used to be. It used to be you. No longer. What happened? You were, but you were washed. Look at it. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. See, there's more than racism that can get you written out of, out of the will, out of the trust. Galatians 5 has some, a similar list. It's referenced as the, when you see the, the deeds of the flesh in Galatians 5. Right before he, he goes into, Paul goes into talking about the fruit of the Spirit, he talks about the deeds of the flesh. And it's a longer list. The deeds of the flesh is a longer list than the fruit of the Spirit. It says these people, these individuals, these, these people who practice this, this is, this is who they are right now. It's what they do. This is what they're about. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a longer list than this. You want to miss out on inheriting the kingdom? Here's a list. Choose from this list. You know the angels were they they render service to those who, on behalf of God, render service uh, for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. That's what angels do. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. That's what they do. Hebrew, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4, talking about how Jesus has inherited a more excellent name than even the angels. I mean, it makes sense. Hebrews is, 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 is talking about Jesus as if he's better than. See, he's better than. <laughs> Not just he's, he's, he's blessed and well off. He, he's better than. He's better than everybody. Angels, too, who are, who are currently better than us, if you will. Better position. They, they, they get to do whatever they're doing in service to the Lord. Not worry about getting kicked out, hopefully. You know, they get to... Do whatever the message, whatever they do. I don't see them. You know, to get to work, be down here. But there's a blessing. There's a blessing. I want you to see this. We go back to First Peter chapter three. I want you to see this. First Peter chapter three. We were just there not too long ago.
First Peter chapter three. Let's look at verse eight. See, verse seven talks about it's speaking to the husbands, and then verse eight and nine says this: "To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit." See that the humble in spirit is not just for the women; for all of us. And then verse 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but, sorry, that was probably for me. Uh, you, you see evil sometimes, you just want to be evil too? <laughs> okay, I just wanted to, uh, maybe. All right, but giving a blessing instead, and you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a, what, blessing. Love it. Yes. Go back to Matthew chapter 5, though. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, inherit the earth. The, 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 the interesting thing about inheriting is that, especially the earth, is that what are we going to do with the earth? Well, uh, Jesus is going to do something with the earth. I think you probably know this. Uh, he's going to come back one day. Uh, there's going to be a time period of about seven years. It's called a tribulation. Uh, there's going to be a millennial kingdom where Jesus is going to come back to earth, and he's going to reign on earth. We will be co-heirs with him. It's going to be an amazing time where, where not like this, where, you know, we, I mean, this could be a fun life too. You know, you get to work and play hard and all that type of stuff and, and enjoy yourself. And the grace of God is given to you because you get to laugh and smile and sing and dance and have joy and fun and have kids and, and see them grow up and like, oh, you know, stuff like that. But, but when Jesus comes back and he's reigning on earth, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the same. I mean, Jesus is going to be here. Like, we talk about him as if, like, he's here in spirit. You know, like, we got the Holy Spirit, but he's going to be here on the earth, reigning, in charge. Like, Satan, he in charge now. Like, he, he's the prince of the power of the earth and all that type of stuff. He, he, he got some powers, and but when Jesus comes back, he's not going to have the power. It's going to be Jesus in charge. He's he going to be able to exercise his strength and his might, his glory freely. And there's not going to be a, a, a Satan around to do that, to, to bother us. It's going to be a very interesting thing. And, and, and with him in charge and, and, and reigning over earth, and we be co-heirs with the earth. With all of the pursuits that we have of trying to obtain, let's say, some real estate or to give to our kids, We're going to get the earth. We're going to be able to embrace the, the reign of Christ. As much as the earth may sound good to us. I hope Jesus is good to us even more. Forget all these things, we can't have Jesus. I don't want no earth without Jesus. No, I don't want that. I don't even want money without him. 
know how sad it has to be to have money and then know that you about to die because 10 out of 10 people die, right? 10 out of 10 people. We, we, we about to die and then we have, we have to come up with some type of reason for why we didn't want to do what we were supposed to do because we were made in the image and likeness of God. We were, we were called to be like Christ. And we, the most valuable thing we can say we have is money, which is, a, which is, which depreciates in value because of inflation alone. That's another conversation. But even so, you say real estate, it doesn't depreciate. Without Jesus, your wealth is just going to be, you're going to die. You're not going to be able to figure out how wise the next person is going to be with it or the person after them. And it's going to just be given to the righteous anyway because it's the gentle who will inherit the earth. So at some point, the gentle are going to get it. It's going to be ours anyway. Okay, so now, now, now we can be free in some ways to take some risks. What if it was, maybe it was, it's really risky to be gentle. And that's why we haven't been. Because the person who says, oh, you're a little bit too gentle. You, you need to be a little bit more rough with them. Maybe they won't like you because you're too gentle. But because gentleness is, if you saw in, well, if you read Galatians 5, Talks about how gentleness is a, is a virtue of the fruit of the spirit. But even so, it says against such things there is no law. Gentleness is one of those things. So God is not going to judge you and look down upon you for having an imperishable quality. He's not going to look down upon you. He's going to approve. We can take some more risks. Be a little bit more gentle. Yes, when our and our with our wives and our and our husbands. Yes, but with one another too. Yes, with kids because they need it. But with adults too. What an imperishable quality to have. Jesus is gentle in spirit. He's even humble. Thank God that he was gentle toward us. That he even had, he he even decided to say, he even was talking to the father saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was gentle. He was on the cross gentle. And we need the gentle savior of the cross in our lives to just forgive us. That's not just how it works. It doesn't just say, oh, God's not just going to forgive us just to forgive us. We, we, need to, we need to recognize the fact that we put him on the cross in the first place. We sinned. We we sin. We we sin against God. You can't even call it sin without recognizing the fact that you sin against God. Therefore, it's called sin because it's against God. So I need you to put sin in this proper perspective. Sin is sin because God is God. Sin is not sin because it hurts somebody else's feelings. Your neighbor, your cousin, because it went against God. Because of God, because of God, who God is, sin is bad. You can, you can do the same act to different people 
of different authority and get different sentences, get different consequences, because who you sin against matters. And we're talking about sin against God. That matters. No wonder why hell is where we deserve. Deserve. You don't want sinners in heaven anyway. Don't you want the good life? You don't want sin. That's why we need Jesus. We need Jesus to change us, who we are. We need to be new creatures. So now us new beings get to be in heaven. Even at some point when Jesus comes back, we will reign on earth with him. We want to be new creatures. We want to be different, not the same sinners. We need to be different. We need to embrace and put our faith in Jesus. We need to not only believe in him, believe him. He is fully God and man. He died for our sins and resurrected. We need to turn from sin, repent, and put our faith in Jesus. We need to believe. With that belief comes Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We get the blessings of eternal life, the kingdom of God, the earth. We need to see ourselves as the gentle, the poor in spirit, the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the persecuted, the peacemakers. And we need to take some risks for Christ. We need a whole, we need some better character. Character that's biblical, though. Not based on our own standard, but his. You need a God, look to the word. He's a better teacher than all of us. He's been around for longer, you know. If there's anyone here who has yet to put your faith in Christ, this is the time today. Even if you go home, even if you're just like, oh, no, I, don't, I just want to cry at home, go home then. Hurry up. Talk to him. Admit that you are a sinner. You need him to save you. And then ask him to tell you what to do with your life before he takes it away. But then live for him. It's a better way to live anyway. The gentle life. Wish I could do better. I'm going to try. Bear with me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for just the grace you've given us. Thank you for Christ and his gentle and humble spirit. We, don't, we not only have a model, but we get to be changed. Lord, we want to be different. We don't want to be the same sinners that we are used to being. We want to be more like you. We want to be more like the Savior. It's the best way for us to live. Help us to make the connection between why that's the best and our actual actions. We want to be different. We appreciate you, Lord. Use us for your glory's sake. We love you and pray these things in the name of Jesus.